Too early for the Badgers to panic on the football recruiting side. We're going to get into a John Garcia Jr. Where do they potentially pivot at uh, quarterback? And a big cornerback has popped up on the radar. We're going to talk about uh, his game and if the Badgers are really in it for that four-star cornerback. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? Thank you for making Lockdown Badgers one of your first listens every single day. I want to thank LinkedIn for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Lockdown College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. And we're going to get right into it. We teased some recruiting news. We got the always favorite John Garcia Jr. on the show to talk about it. I want to start here, John. The, there's there's been concern with the Badgers, especially among Badger faithful, about what has been a bit of a dry period for the recruiting cycle for football. They missed on quite a few official visitors, right? Khalil Tate, Kine Holtz, Tackett Curtis, Joe Crocker, Braden Marshall, Ashton Sanders. Should Badger fans be concerned here? A little bit, not not a ton. Um, some of those look, some of those were national battles, right? We talk about Tackett Curtis, literal coast to coast recruiting battle. Joe Crocker, like north to south recruiting battle. And, and look, kid wants to pass block and he's going to go play for Mike Leach. So you certainly mm-hmm. understand some of that. I think where maybe the sting was felt a little bit more was with guys that you felt better about at the top, like a Braden Marshall, where it felt like it was a true three-team race because he said as much and then boom, it's all, it was all kind of a smokescreen for UCF, uh, which was the hometown school. So, you know, that kind of stuff maybe should – be weighed a little bit heavier but look we like the secondary class that uh, Wisconsin brought in last year and the transfers and the guys that have been mm-hmm. picked up earlier this year Keenholz is, is maybe its own category right quarterbacks are their own thing I think everybody understands that at this point and, and look that was a bit of a surprise too I, I expected it to come down to of the final three this the two schools he didn't go to I thought it would be a Wisconsin versus uh, North Dakota State kind of deal um because of the stability but you know, he took a chance in going to Washington with a quarterback developer, and, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, so I think that's that that kind of you just strike that up as a classic L, and, and he try to move on. But I think if you if you zoom out a little bit, you know, thirteen commits right now. The Badgers only signed fifteen high school recruits last year, so this range of volume is something that is going to be more common in college football than yesteryear, where you sign twenty plus players every year. Because the portal wasn't a thing. I'm not saying that you should rely on the portal every year, but this is the range that was close to the end point in February. And, and we're still, you know, it's early August at this point. So there's still a long way to go. And, and Wisconsin is one of these programs that trusts their evaluations. And that that is twofold. That is both the beginning of the cycle where you're taking chances and offering guys who maybe don't have the, the resume or offer list that, you know, fans will get excited about. But on the back end, it's trusting kids who develop or maybe the light bulb goes off as a senior, which, you know, they're all, all their senior seasons are about to start. And you trust that part of the, the evaluation, the late evaluation, if you will. And you go in and, and you swoop in late and, and pick up some, some nice players in the end. So there's still an entire football season in between now mm-hmm. and national signing day come December. Uh, there's always room for senior risers and we see it at every position, right? Going into his senior season of high school, Jackson Dart didn't have a power five offer. So at this moment, 
Jackson Dart was, you know, a BYU Boise State kind of guy. And then he ended up as like a, a USC Ohio State kind of guy uh, because of his senior season. So I do think there's still room, even at quarterback, which which is traditionally early, to allow the season to dictate where some of that late effort goes on the recruiting trail itself. So I think that combined with the need areas for Wisconsin does leave a lot of room going forward to rectify the perception that momentum is is kind of up to a halt. But look, this time of year is not busy anyway, right? It's it's preseason for everyone. No more visits as of August 1st. Uh, everybody's just in football mode. So I think some patience is probably required to get to that point. But when you get into, you know, an end of September into October, I think you'll see some new targets emerge and, and potentially some shakeup in some of the targets that are are still identifiable at this point. Yeah, and I agree with your point. There is a long amount of time uh, that we still have to go here. But is and I just want to loop back on this. Is there a bit more concern maybe when you look at the Badgers because they they don't have a lot on their board right now that's been talked about, right? There's they're they're not in the midst of you know the top two or three for for a whole lot of prospects at this point. Yeah, I, I think there's a natural pause there. You you wonder, hey, is is some of this the staff turning the page to either the portal or 2024 recruiting or, or what what's going on behind the scenes. But as, as is the case, I would say a hundred percent of the time, there's always more going on behind the scenes than we mm-hmm. realize. Um, so I do think that that deserves a little bit of credit in this conversation, but, but yeah, I, I do think that you'd, you'd want to see a little bit more action. I know there's a new offer out at cornerback that we'll talk about. So there's still some movement, going on but there's just not a whole lot of new grounds to make moves there are no more camps there are no more combines spring football is well behind us it's it's just about the preseason and coaches will hit the road during the season and again allow that board to mature uh but yeah i i think there's it's understandable i should say that there's a little bit of pause with the fan base because you lost some big battles and then right after that it seems like there hasn't been that natural counter or follow-up like you, you take a punch, you give a punch, you know, that mm-hmm. we're waiting to see them give a punch, but maybe they're just still, you know, in the gathering phase, if you will, but before that haymaker comes out. So I wouldn't worry about it too much, especially with a veteran stable coaching staff that has really been there and done that in a lot of aspects. If, if this was a first year group or something like that, maybe I would have a little bit more concern because typically the younger coaches, the newer coaches, they want to make that consistent impression and they want to stay in the news cycle and they want to stay kind of on the, on the tip of everyone's tongue. I don't think Wisconsin is the type of program that that worries about that compared to to some of the others that we could identify that I probably shouldn't, but that we could identify uh, at this stage of the game. I mean, you're, you're presumably talking about uh, Minnesota for sure. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no As a Badger no fan, I got to no go problem. there. Yeah, I got to go there. But all right, coming up, you mentioned it, you teased it. I think it's going to be a fun one to get into. We're going to talk about uh, a pretty highly ranked quarter, cornerback that Wisconsin is potentially in on. So we're going to get into that next on Lockdown Badgers. First, today's show is brought to you by Bill Bar. Bill Bar remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs. At, or, so I'm sorry, Bill Bar. I was thinking about online are also also a great host of the show. Bill Bar is really your number one source for your tr- nutritional needs. And it's something I've talked about a lot. I have a reoccurring buy on Amazon for Bill Bar where it, every month I get a box of variety flavors. I'm super into any, any of their churro stuff, cinnamon stuff, marshmallow stuff. It's marshmallow cinnamon flavored protein bars with 100% real chocolate, 17 to 20 grams of protein, less than uh, more than half the, the sugar and all the bad stuff you get out of uh, your kind of candy bar type snack. This is something that you're going to want to keep going back to. It's healthy. 
It's not that expensive. It's great for you. It's simple to do. And it's a great nutritional sidekick for your 2022 springboarding into that fall season where, you know, we're all going to be loading up on nachos, wings, beer for the games. Let's get healthy now before that happens. So Bill Bar is the place to do that. We have a great offer for you. Head to the website today. Use promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. That's Built.com. Promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your order at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I want to thank everyone again for making Locked On Badgers really one of your first listens every day. We really, really do appreciate it as we just continue to build this Badger community. And we're going to get back into it with John Garcia. And we're going to talk about, um, John, you teased this week. And it ever, I think this is true across the board. I, I don't think Badger fans should be alarmed that this is a bit of a slow period. As you mentioned, this is a slow period for everybody. But there was an interesting offer that went out. Um, cornerback Roderick Pleasant out of Gardena High School, California. Track athlete, very, very fast, five foot ten, And kind of a consensus top 100 guy. What, what are you hearing about Roderick Pleasant? What do you like about his game? Are the Badgers actually in this one? Yeah, this is an interesting offer because he's he's a three-phase guy and a two-sport guy, like you mentioned, legitimate track and field speed in in Los Angeles. So, I mean, anytime those factors come out, you know there's going to be a lot of schools clamoring for a a verbal commitment. And that's the case with Rod. But I think the timing here is nice for Wisconsin because he's seemingly in no rush. I think he's taken an official or two. He's he's only taken one, excuse me. He's got two scheduled for the fall. I think that's Cal – uh, and, and the other schools blanking, maybe Oregon uh, at this point, but he's got room for others. Uh, so even though he's got this top group, Boston College is in there as well. It seems like he's still open to allowing, kind of like we talked about, allowing his tape, his numbers on the track and field, his two-way game as a receiver and corner to blossom into potentially more options. He, You know, I messaged with him a little bit earlier today and i said hey you know i know wisconsin's late to the game are are they gonna be in the mix are they too late he goes immediately yes they they will be in the mix so i I think you know one it's proof that that badger offer still absolutely resonates particularly when you talk about defensive projections Uh, i think it's, it's something we've talked about at length on this program and again he's got no rush to make a decision some of those officials he has scheduled for the fall are in october so now the next natural play here for wisconsin is to get him on campus right he, he took mm-hmm. one officials got two scheduled so two officials are are potentially on the table uh going forward so if you can snag one of those two official visits it's game on um and obviously with with the wisconsin schedule with the big 10 schedule and the type of opponents and atmosphere that is created seemingly every week you can really present something different to a californian you know how many california guys whether it's cj stroud uh, the Uyangalele brothers, et cetera, talk about, man, when I went to, when I went East to these games, it just mattered more. People mm-hmm. cared more about it and it really resonates. That's why you see, see Californians of not avoid, but leave the PAC 12 footprint altogether for, for the Texas schools, for the big 10 programs, even all the way to the SEC and the ACC. And a lot of that has to do with 
the, I guess, perception of the passion in some of these conferences living up to it when they're there in person. And everybody will tell you that Camp Randall and Madison and all mm-hmm. that is, is some of the best stuff in the country. So you get an official around a game day, particularly a big one, and, and it really is game on for, for a big-time player who's in no rush. I think Pleasant knows his value. He knows he brings a lot to the table. So schools are going to not pressure him and say, you have to commit now or their offer's off the, off the table. Not the case. One more thing on Rod. I like the timing of the Wisconsin offer. August 1st is the day that the written offers, official offers can be sent out to kids. Badgers came in the day before and let them know, hey, you've got an offer. Right. Expect the official offer tomorrow. It just hits a little bit different when all the buildup is for 24 hours away. But boom, you pop in the day before. I, I always, uh, this time of year, especially and going forward, I'm always curious about the timing of offers. A lot of schools want kids to get on campus before they offer at this time, or they want to be strategic. And I thought that was a little bit strategic from whoever did it, whether it was Leonard or Poteet or whoever did it. I thought that was really good timing because you know on August 1st, the DMs, the text box, inbox is going to be flooded by all these schools that you already know want you. They're just kind of confirming as much. So going in the day before, I thought was interesting from the Badger perspective. That's great insight. Uh, Let me ask you this, because I think invariably this question is always going to come up from a fan base like Wisconsin and Iowa, you know, anything that kind of blue collar Midwestern type fan base for a kid that like this, it's a five eleven kid that can flat out run in an area with a lot of exposure, top 100 kid. Does it raise your eyebrows when you don't see the USC, Ohio state, Alabama, Texas type offers when it's more of a, he has an official visit to Cal and that's not a shot across the bow to Cal. It's just those type of what's either what's missing because it's not a lack of exposure or physical skills with this kid. 100%. You know, I think he's talked about academics quite a bit in in different points during his recruitment. So certainly Cal, Boston College. I mean, some of those schools make a lot of sense that are are still in the running here. But again, I think I talked about this prior. When, When you grow up in Southern California, there's a bit of a change of feel with those schools, those local programs, USC, UCLA. And and I think the Trojans are interested. I think that's certainly an option and they could press more going forward. Not that they're recruiting exceptionally well on defense outside of the Tackett Curtis pickup uh, here recently. Um, But I do think that, yeah, there's always a desire to travel and and kind of see what else is out there to a degree, throw in the academics and it it just creates a different type of situation. I don't know Rod personally, again, just a few messages exchanged between us, but I think he's, he's in no rush for a reason. Maybe, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe he thinks that he can Mm -hmm. play at the very highest level. So he's waiting on, it's not going to be Ohio state. They're kind of full. Alabama's full. Texas is almost full as well at, at DB. Uh, so, yeah, maybe he's waiting to see just what the ceiling of the opportunities uh, that he'll eventually accumulate will be. You know, wanting to see just how many he could get before having to make a, a decision here, uh, especially as a two-way player. I think that factors in as well because it takes a little bit more vetting. If you're a quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, every school wants you to play quarterback. There's really that conversation never comes up. I think with Pleasant, you could legitimately sell him on being a slot receiver a return type guy, jet sweeps, bubble screens. He's just so fast. But of course, I think he's got a bigger ceiling on defense with his instincts, ball skills, and speed as a true corner, maybe even a nickel down the line. So trying to identify where you actually want the kid sometimes allows the recruitment to elongate because kids don't know. We see it all over the country. You know, Nicholas Harbor, the track 
and field star from DC, same kind of thing. Is he a tight end? Is he a pass rusher? Ronan Hannafin from up in Massachusetts, same thing. Are you an outside linebacker? Or are you a big receiver? A lot of these two-way guys elongate the process just a little bit, just for that extra little spout uh, of clarity. So I think that could potentially be at play here as well. Hey, what about um, – I, I was wondering this, and I know this question has come up before as well. When when a program like Wisconsin come, or any out-of-state program, I should say, coming into a place where there's not a traditional pipeline, where a player is pretty highly ranked, and they kind of – again, as you said, things are always happening under the scenes that we don't see. But for fans, it's kind of an out of a, the, the blue offer. Is there usually an in somewhere for these kids? Or is it more of just we found this guy, we like him? It depends. Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, the camps he went to and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, obviously these – look, coaches talk too. Uh, you know, coaches mm-hmm. talk a lot. I've I've seen dozens of examples, Ryan, where a coach is at a certain level of school and it goes at school and you have a kid at camp and you're like, we're going to recruit this kid, but he's probably too good for us. He's an FBS Power 5 kind of kid. I, I see those coaches pick up the phone and say, hey – um, you know, Big Ten school X. I got a kid down here who could really run. Uh, I think he's a little bit too much for us. We're going to try to recruit him, but he's probably better suited for you because all these coaches move around, right? All, all these coaches right. have different experiences, different level of contact. So if we field these questions as reporters and we see these things happening as reporters, just imagine at the actual you know coaching level how much of that information is is being shared. Uh, so I do think a lot of factors can jump into something like this but yeah oftentimes it's about the board reshuffling and you know from a timeline perspective i think you know you miss out on a Braden marshall who's the next corner on the board that if we do miss out here this scholarship offer could go sometimes it's that simple and pleasant was just the next guy up on the board and which kind of makes sense to me right i think marshall a little bit more polished more experienced as a true secondary player corner or nickel type pleasant a little bit more raw, a little bit more natural twitch in his game mm-hmm. as a potential nickel or corner. So you could kind of make the argument that one should be rated above the other, but it's close either way because they're very different in terms of their experience to this point. So sometimes it's that simple, right? This guy goes elsewhere. All right, next guy up. Uh, so maybe Rod is the next guy up for w- Wisconsin. Sure. And then I, I want to finish on this one because just because we're in the cornerback position, you mentioned Braden Marshall, and I'm, I'm curious – do you think he was still a take for Wisconsin who who had brought in two cornerbacks? Um, or did people fill up, not just Wisconsin? Yeah, I think there was Georgia Tech in there, North Carolina, Nebraska. And was UCF kind of a fallback option when people filled up? You know, if, if you're offering a new corner after you miss out on another one, I think there's a spot. You know, I think right. so, at least from the Wisconsin perspective, it felt like there was a spot. I know there was a spot at North Carolina. They, they've been in on a couple DBs that they've missed on here. Lately, uh, Nebraska, I'm not sure how big their class is to date, but I'd have a hard time thinking they would say no uh, to a kid like that, especially given Frost's ties uh, to the Orlando area in general. Optically, that's not a game you want to play very much. Uh, So I don't think UCF was more of a fallback. I kind of view this as more of Braden Marshall's got some showman in him. (laughs) He's got Mm -hmm. some, you know, hey, let's let's off my scent a little bit and, and then drop a bomb when, when the timing is right here. So I think that's a little bit more of the case because before he, he dropped that top three, you know, I live in Florida. Some of my UCF sources felt really good uh, about right. Marshall. And then he drops the top three and I'm like, Oh, I'm not texting those guys. Uh, cause, <laughs> cause they're not in it. So I, I do think maybe 
you know, sometimes we fall victim to the the showmanship or social media driven era that we're in in recruiting. So I think sometimes that's more at play. Um, but look, UCF's going to the, the Big 12. Obviously, mm-hmm. they've been one of the best G5 schools in the country the last few years, self-proclaimed national champs five years ago. So, hey, you know, there's there's different kind of rings down there. So maybe he's he's uh, uh, stuck to that allure. And obviously, it's the hometown school. So I think that factors in as well. They've increased their efforts locally and have, have hit big on a couple guys that ha- that had Big Ten interests. I mean, the, the D lineman, John Walker, was like an Ohio State lean a day before he announced for UCF. So this is something that I think, you know, the Knights are, are doubling down on a little bit in the Orlando area, which is, of course, where, where Marshall's from. And I would also say, and just run this by you quickly, I think we're in an era with NIL and with transfer eligibility where players are more apt to go to a non-traditional helmet school, right? Because you can leave. You can you could be compensated, whereas before you couldn't get that exposure at a UCF. That's a great point. And a kid from Lake Mary, again, in that suburb area, um, going to UCF, if you think of it from an NIL perspective, uh, just at the lowest level, more people know me in this area mm-hmm. than Madison or mm-hmm. Chapel Hill or or Lincoln, Nebraska, certainly. So I think some of those things could also factor in, hey, you know, be be the hometown hero, if you will. I know it's overused in recruiting, but I think with NIL, it provides a different value because maybe there's already built-in relationships with businesses or other people in the community that that can help you out and the lake mary community for those who don't know kind of rich kind of a nice area so i do think you know hey if if you know the the local car dealership hey now all of a sudden in a few Mm -hmm. months you can uh you can partner up and and make a couple dollars yourself no absolutely all right coming up we are going to talk about the ever elusive quarterback position anywhere the badgers might be able to turn and if it might make sense to go a little bit more of the the transfer route down the road that's coming up on locked on badgers I want to thank everybody for making Lockdown Badgers your first listen every single day. We're going to continue this awesome conversation with John. John, let, let's talk about quarterbacks. We mentioned Lincoln Kynolds earlier in the show. He was really the last known Badger quarterback that they've gone after. He went to Washington. Any any idea, news, where the Badgers might turn from here? Not really. Uh, there's a couple in-state guys that are, you know, good players, uh, certainly have done well w- within state lines. Uh, and there's some in the region that I think are ascending, like Jackson Smolick comes to mind kid out of Iowa who went to the elite 11 as a late addition and really turned heads. I mean, he, he won, he was second place in the rail shot competition day one uh, right after committing to Tulane. And it was like, who is this kid? But by day two or day three, we're like, Oh, that's small. Like he's looking good again. So I think he's elevated his stock and he's gotten a bunch of offers since the elite 11. I think Penn state just jumped in with a scholarship offer. Cal um, LSU Auburn had, had been talking to him as well. So I think he's potentially, at least regionally, a guy that maybe Wisconsin evaluates during the fall. He is still committed to Tulane for for what that's worth. Again, he had just committed before going to the Elite 11. So an interesting conundrum that he's going to deal with between now and signing day. So I think if you you try to flip a prospect regionally, he makes a lot of sense. Um, One of the Elite 11 quarterbacks decommitted, Chris Parson from Florida State. So maybe he's a guy you circle back on. He tells us he's in no rush to make a decision. So that's potentially out there as well. And then there's another flippable one, not in the region, but he's looking at programs in the region, maybe. Kenny Minchie, another Elite 11 guy, longtime Pitt commit, uh, but Notre Dame just offered him. He's he's kind of their next target. So maybe you get involved in that conversation just a little bit. But I, I do think the flip game is always something that's out there. But so is the, the portal game, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um 
a lot of battles are still unsettled, right? Oregon, uh, Texas comes to mind, at least publicly. Nebraska, even in the conference, still uh, TBD there to a degree. Uh, and there's battles like that uh, really across the country where good players are theoretically going to be available. LSU, Texas A&M have multiple guys with experience on both of those rosters. So I do think you could see some more fall movement, maybe even fall camp movement. If one of these guys says, it's not going to be me, I'm out of here. So I do think that that part of the board, like we talked about at the top of the show, will also evolve as the season evolves. We've seen a lot of guys hit the portal from fall camp to mid-season, right? If if Clemson, and this, there's precedent here, is not – performing the same way offensively, you know, DJ Uyangalele could, you know, be benched for Cade Klubnik, who was the number one quarterback in the country for us at SI last year. A lot of positive reports about the true freshman, just like they did with Kelly Bryant when Trevor Lawrence was a true freshman. Mm -hmm. And Bryant hit the portal immediately at that point before transferring to Missouri. I'm not saying that's going to happen at Clemson, but there is some precedent for some stuff like this that can, can leak into the season and even in the middle of the season itself. Um, so I do think there are always going to be quarterback options in the portal. It's not something you want to rely on every year. I don't think you want to be known as transfer QBU because it's going to stunt your quarterback recruiting and development and alter that room every year that you bring in an experienced guy, but in a pinch where you need depth and Wisconsin's kind of at that point, right? When you do need that kind of depth, it is something that you can now address in a very different way, and you can bring in somebody with some experience or even considerable experience. So I do think that's an avenue to keep in mind the longer this quarterback situation draws out. And just, yeah, aligned with the quarterback question, are we kind of in the era now where we're not going to really see the the Trey Lances, the Carson Wentz's, the, the Malik Willis, the, the guys at the lower level really complete their – is does the FCS and the lower level D1 programs, are they really just going to become minor league beaters for quarterbacks? Uh, that's a great question. Probably. Uh, my, my gut says probably there. I mean, I think of – some of the portal guys this past year, Cam Ward was that incarnate word in San Antonio. Uh, and then he became this, this huge portal target in a cycle where Quinn Ewers was available. Spencer mm -hmm. Rattler was available. Big Jackson Dart, who we talked about earlier, was available. Huge names available. But schools still went down to the FCS level uh, to look for, for some arm talent. Uh, so I do think – that is something that is is likely to happen because you can simply play at a bigger stage um, and, and maximize that value. If you are brought in to be the starter, you can capitalize on NIL for that last year, even if the NFL or a professional league, and there's more of those now, doesn't work out. Uh, so I do think that that's something that is going to be a little bit more prevalent. I, I don't know if you know North Dakota State will be as affected as some of these others, but yeah, it is something to think about just because, again, these these TV markets, uh, mm -hmm. these, these primetime games are – they're, they're limited. Um, and so if you can jump in on one of those that, that has the ability to hit the prime time, it's going to be hard to say no, because if you're building, whether it's a professional resume or you just kind of want to do something different and have an opportunity to, to win a natty or get to the playoff or whatever it is, even a conference title, there's just a lot more exposure and, and challenge ahead for, for some of those guys. So that's, that's a great point. I do think the best FCS quarterbacks every year are, are going to be, Again, tampering, how, how do you police it, right? How do you police it? Uh, it's, do it. Really, it's really hard. It took the NFL three years to, to, to figure that out, you know, for one team, you know, the Dolphins yep. yesterday when that came out. So imagine – and the NFL, you know, for all its up and downness, 
a little bit more credibility with the NFL compared to the NCAA. Yeah, so I do just think, yeah, I, I think proving that is going to be tough. But yeah, you you have to understand that these overtures are going to happen. It's just the nature of the increasingly fluid market at that position in particular. That's that's a really great point. Yeah, and you certainly can't, like you said, you can't blame the kids. You know, I always look at it in real life. If I'm working at a little coding company and Google comes up and says, hey, we'd love to have you come on board, right? That's that's how it works everywhere. You go to yeah. where the value is. So, no, I get it, man. All right, John Garcia Jr., everybody. Once again, we are all smarter for the 30 minutes that you are able to spend with us. I really appreciate it. Always fun, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. All right, everybody. Um, we're just going to recap quickly as John Garcia Jr., Thank you for making Lockdown Badgers one of your first listens every day. We're going to continue bringing more content your way. And until we talk next time on Wisconsin.